Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net You know, small businesses uh, face a terrifying uh, fact in this world today. They simply don't have enough resources to do everything that a big company does, yet they're expected, because of the Internet, to compete against bigger companies. One of the ways uh, we think we can help the small business is to bring experts like Ian Skolnick uh, to this program. Ian, welcome to the program. Thank you, Don. I appreciate being here. Well, uh, I, I'm sure you're going to back up what I just said, but before we do, tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself and and how you got to where you are. You're now pre- president of, of Beta Radio, radio, and, and uh, tell us how you got there. But but a little bit about your background, and we'll go into how you're going to help us uh, in, in a little while. Sure, sure thing. Um, I, uh, if you can hear my accent, I grew up in a country called South Africa, Cape Town, and then my family emigrated to uh, the United States. I uh, I live in uh, the Bay Area. And I have a uh, technology company called Bradio, B-R-A-I-D-I-O, Bradio. And uh, I've been involved in uh, technology and, uh, you know, that infamous or famous cloud uh, building software for the Internet and looking to help provide solutions to folks. Okay. Uh, How how did you come up with it? What does the title of your company mean? Sure. My company is, uh, the title refers to uh, how companies traditionally have trained and retained employees. They have used something called the braid method, which is to effectively park a whole lot of employees in a town hall style meeting. And then they do uh, what you could almost uh, see as speed speed dating. They would break up the group, uh, 100 people into groups of five and have them talk to each other and capture the different ideas on a big whiteboard with uh, being led by an instructor or two or three inst- extremely expensive methods designed only for the enterprise, big companies. And uh, it's not something that's going to work for uh, a small to medium-sized business. To, uh, to spec- in fact, it's ineffective even for enterprise in, at this uh, time and date with the Internet. But we, we wanted to take the, the old way of doing things, and we wanted to borrow the name. So we went with Bradio. Uh, braid uh, and, and then the braid method seemed like okay. a good idea at the time. So you're saying you're in effect taking the town hall meeting 
and put it on um, on the internet in some fashion. Yeah. In some fashion, I think what we're trying to do is take the way we traditionally learned and, and, and taught and re, uh, our employees and find a much more efficient way to do it. And uh, But we gave a nod to the past, which is that we do want people to, uh, to, to learn together, to collaborate together, and to ask questions together of each other and pull all those different threads together or braid them together. So we want to teach people well. We want them to collaborate well. And we want them to ask questions among themselves well. And that's where uh, we made that a very efficient model for small business. And that's the key to attracting employees and retaining employees. That's the biggest problem with small business is how do you get new good employees in? You have to have a good training program. You want to uh, grow them in your company. You want to uh, train them well. And then you want to retain them. Then there needs to be a value for staying and to bring other folks in as well. So... Uh, you want to provide the solutions that the bigger companies do, but at a good price and at good cost and, and make them just as effective as the bigger companies. And you can do that with the Internet. So, Well, okay. So uh, uh, how do uh, uh, employees train each other? You, you've, you know, I, I, up until you just mentioned it, I hadn't realized it, but, yes, we, we as employees do train each other. But can you amplify that a little bit? Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's always a core, a core group of learning that you do when you come to a company. Uh, could it be sales training, leadership training? Um, there's some diversity compliance training, you know, financial compliance, diversity compliance. There's a different set of uh, trainings that you do. That's the core of it. Um, whether you're a big company, a medium-sized company, or a small company, we all do the same types of training. But after that, a lot of the training is, call it a more formal water cooler. We pass ideas among ourselves. We collaborate on projects for our clients or a, a department. And then we ask questions of each other. And we wanted to capture what that traditionally goes into email and gets lost so no one else can look at the answer. We wanted to capture those experiences. We want to make it more uh, efficient for folks to collaborate, and we wanted to make, and, and fun, to, frankly, because that's how you get the ideas flowing. And we wanted to make it uh, easy uh, for folks to ask questions of each other. And when you combine that with the training, you have a really nice platform for folks to scale their training and retaining of employees and attract new ones. We provide some titles, so some core titles, if you will, some foundation learning. And then organizations can upload their own content uh, that they might have that's specific to their, what they do as a business. And um, then uh, we do the rest uh, by providing access to the LinkedIn or Yahoo groups or business groups that you might want to ask questions of, including questions of your own employees. Well, -employees, but who moderates this whole program? It's done inside the company itself. So I'll give you a standard setup. Um, we actually integrate with QuickBooks. So you could uh, launch uh, Bradio inside QuickBooks, and you could import all your employees' information, basically assign every employee you have in your organization uh, a password and a username. And then it's self-monitored because you're working, it's basically the conversations occur within your employees, within your employee base, I should say. So your coworkers, yourself, uh, and then it's driven by different types of projects and questions that are occurring. How do I do payroll? How, how do I uh, find uh, extensions to uh, different projects? Those sort of questions are driven by the logic of the company itself. 
what you end up having is capturing what's going on in the company, end up passing that information on. New employees can go look at the thread and see, okay, this has happened before. Someone's had the same problem. Or you can see that someone else in the company has taken the same course you have, and you can ask them a question. You end up creating uh, uh, relationships using radio that you normally wouldn't have. Uh, folks use the email, and they, they tend to rely on it too much. This allows you to work with email and train well and ask questions nicely. So in effect, you're creating a, almost a company history, a company uh, 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 historian to, uh, for uh, for various things. Am I correct? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the biggest issues with uh, companies, big and small, is that when a solution is solved, it'll pop up again. A problem will pop up again, and people have moved on, so they forgot how to do it, or they they want to find the quick uh, the, the quick answer. And you have to dig it up in email. If you've ever caught yourself looking around in an email inbox, you know what I'm talking about. So this is a nice way to, to have some core cool training and then you ask, uh, you know, then collaborate together on a project. Then also track all those, those conversation histories and those answer histories so you can find that information when you need it at your fingertips. And also see who else is reach out to that expert inside your company and say, hey, Bob, I noticed that you've, you've dealt with this problem before. How do I solve it? So the, what, you, what we're doing is taking the power of these big platforms, that's big companies that have the budget, can, and bring it down to a more manageable cost and a manageable system for small business and to do it very without what we call friction in the valley, without a lot of hassles. Just import your employees, have some titles ready to go, train them, and get going. It's a very simple system that's designed to, to be without a lot of friction. Well, but uh, what happens if someone enters the, the wrong information, like uh, how you're supposed to su do, uh, do something? Uh, how does a company uh, monitor this type of thing? There is a dashboard to monitor who's asking questions, what kind of questions are being answered. Uh, you can also have uh, an admin. There's admin capability, so you can you can curate answers if, if need be. And... Uh, you can also have different departments answer, have access to different levels of questions. So it allows a lot of flexibility for what questions are given to what departments. You can seed questions into the system. Uh, uh, you can turn on and turn off pieces of the system. So the accounting could have one set of questions and answers, and, uh, um, and operations could have another. Uh, and, and it allows uh, the system to be very flexible and very simply done, by the way. It's not that it's not hard at all to turn on, turn off different pieces, add different questions. Uh, so it gives you a lot of flexibility in controlling the conversation and collaboration inside your company. Yeah, but well, let's look. Well, this seems like a valuable tool if I were uh, if I wanted to know about your company that I could somehow uh, uh, hack into it. I can learn an awful lot about your company. Sure, you certainly could. The same as your uh, uh, your employee, um, you know, sharing information, which they're doing. That, that's true. It's just um, it's interesting. Uh, let's um, now. Obviously, you've got a system that that helps. Um, well, let's look at the bigger picture for a small uh, small business. Uh, how does training help a small business compete? Better compete. In, in this marketplace where increasingly the Internet is making big, uh, small companies compete with big companies.
I well, we seem to have lost uh, Ian, and that's a, a, a real shame. I'm sure he's going to come back to, um, very shortly. Uh, in the meantime, we have a, a, another very interesting guest um, who we should we should uh, play for you while while we're listening. Ah, there he is. Welcome back. Technical uh, error, <laughs> error there. <laughs> well, um, well, we managed. You know, the the worst thing in radio is dead air. So I've managed <laughs> to. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, uh, let me repeat the question, Ian. Sure. Uh, um, how does training um, your staff? Why is it important, and how can it help a small business compete in the in this world to get today? From a human level, you know, the individual level, uh, when you when you get engaged in a company, you want to know you have a future. You want to know that your skills are going to mature. You, you that uh, there's a credible pathway to, to mature and develop as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an employee, as a person, so your skills uh, can evolve. Uh, you provide that for a company, and you, uh, you, and you provide it in a way that it's flexible, works on a smart device, it works at the PC level. Uh, at a desktop, I should say. Um, and that's very important for employees when they're choosing which company to go work for. Um, and the second piece is you want to be able to share the knowledge that your employees have inside their heads with other new employees and existing coworkers. And you want to, and that's part of the experience in the training experience. It's not just we're going to give you some materials to learn. We also want to learn from your experiences dealing with our customer bases, our field problems, our field work how we solve problems with our customers, that information needs to be captured. Um, and this allows that to occur as well. What you get is a net benefit of retaining good employees, training good employees, and and growing your business and scaling it against uh, your, your customer base. Um, so it's a multi-layered uh, win for the business. Well, you, you know, uh, Ian, um, uh, our audience may not know, but we're putting out a, a, um, a new guide to uh, growing a small business, and, and you've uh, given a contribution to it, which is um, very, um, very interesting, uh, and we really look forward to publishing it. Um, do you want to talk about any of the aspects that uh, uh, that you included in, in this uh, article uh, to our audience? Sure. I... I... Rather than uh, talk at, the, uh, at at your audience, I'll, I'll tell you a couple of uh, experiences we've had with different clients. One is a very, very big bank, and we had to deal with 12,000 employees, and, which is, a, is not a small business, obviously. Uh, and what they found was that we gave them a small business experience because while this bank is big and it's all over the, the country, uh, every department is not that big. You know, the departments are small, 25, 30, you know, 50, or 10 people. And we had a, we provided a solution that could scale across 12,000 people, but provided that that personalized experience at the small level. And I think that's what we provide for uh, folks uh, of any size business: is that you're going to need to train and retain your employees. You're going to attract need to attract good employees, and you're going to provide leadership skills. And you want to share that the knowledge that your company is developing when they're dealing with their customer base, and you want to capture it all in one place. And radio is great for that. You can train, you can collaborate, and you can ask questions or not tap each other for knowledge. 
and and do it in a way, especially with younger employees, and they're also young more than millennials, a way which you need to attract to keep the your, your business uh, energized uh, and grow your business. This is what they're looking for in a solution. Well, Brady was uh, great for that. Uh, let me ask you a different question. Um, uh, you, you've you've been a serial entrepreneur, and uh, yeah. Uh, um, what are some of the problems you've uh, run into, you've seen um, in, in your various experience that you'd like to pass on to other small business? Uh, problems and, sure. and solutions you found. Uh, the first one is onboarding. That's the term we use is how do you bring in a new employee and how do you get them up to speed? How do you share that information? Part of it is everyone remembers the first day of school. There's an element of, you know, you have two or three months where you just have to learn the information. You have to, and you're pestering other employees. It's nice to have a system where you can train uh, on, on cool fundamentals that the business needs you to know. And then also for me as a new employee to be able to read and look at different problems that have been solved previously. To get the history, as you said earlier, of the business and to get the, what we commonly call institutional knowledge, the knowledge that exists and the experiences that exist inside the company. And then to ask questions and see who else is having the same problem. So bringing in a new employee, onboarding is a big one. And then beyond that, problems happen every day or issues happen every day with a company. And how do you solve them? What's the, what's the idea? How do you get people talking? You know, at the end of the day, your, your customers are part of this, this solution as well. You talk to your customers, you resolve problems. Uh, once you've done it, it shouldn't be it. You should save those ideas and that, that, those solution sets in, inside your organization. So those are the issues we find, but especially in what we call a distributed environment, the Internet. You, you, one group could solve a problem, the other group not know about it. So you want to be able to have a, a common resource that everyone can look at. And beyond that, there is training you have to do. You, know, you just do have some compliance training that's part of the, uh, running a business. Well, let me ask you, when you hire somebody, what do you look for in terms of uh, an, indiv- an individual hire? You know, it's funny. Even though we are, you know, quote unquote, high tech or Silicon Valley technology oriented, we I, I look for very the, the the fundamentals that apply to every business. Number one, uh, there is an issue of how, do, how does this person know how to work with other folks? Uh, no point at, uh, hiring someone who is going to alienate everyone in your company and department that they work in. Second is can they problem solve? Uh, that's a very interesting skill set. You know, some of it's street smarts or work smarts, and some of it's just native to the, the person's personality. But we will run into issues, especially with the, the wrinkle that the Internet provides. There's all these, these different uh, problems that the Internet can, can solve a lot of problems, but can also bring new problems in. And you want folks to be able to take a bit of this, a bit of that, and a solution here and a solution there, and mix it all together and come up with a new, a new answer. And it, it's very fast-paced, and I like to see folks – who can think on their feet and construct a, a, a smart answer uh, and a smart, and then get people around that answer and solve the problem. The, you know, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with how well they program or how, where they went to school. In fact, it doesn't at all. It has everything to do with those work skills and then be able to capture that, how they solved it and pass it on to the next uh, person in line in your company. Well, that's, that's pretty good. What has been um, your biggest disappointment uh, uh, in all of this <laughs> over the time? 
Resumes lie, Don. Resumes lie. Uh, <laughs> you really have to see how folks work in the first three months and how they work within your organization and how good they are among your team and, among, and with your client base. And I, you need a three-month window. Well, you know, I think it really does shake out in the first month, frankly. Uh, and you need to see how uh, uh, your employees work in the, in, in the field, if you will, under, under live fire. Uh, nothing, nothing like reality to, to shake out uh, what's going on uh, on the resume. You know, it's a funny thing. There was an article I just read that said uh, a bad president uh, it takes a company three, four to five years to recover from a bad president, uh, uh, and uh, uh, even uh, and it takes months and even years to recover from a, a bad a hire. Very, I, I found that very interesting. Um, yeah, I, and, I, I, I could I, about that. Sorry, uh, excuse me. No, you, you, uh, you're the guest. Please continue. I buy that. I think that we make a decision; it propagates throughout your organization very quickly, uh, and that's why I like to. If you're going to fail, fail fast. And also, if you know it's not working, close it. You know, unless the mitigating circumstances end it quickly, it's not good for you, the organization. And your organization and the person that you know is not working out. Uh, better to end it and do it effectively and quickly. It, it's better for everyone all around. Hmm. That, that, that's a very good point. Um, uh, as we wrap up here, um, what are the three things you would tell um, a small business leader um, based on your experience uh, to ensure growth? You can compete if you use the tools uh, with uh, smartly, so the internet's there, and they can let you compete. You use radio. You can you can hire employees all over the world. You can train all over the world, and you can work with customers all over the world. Uh, the, the 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 advantage of technology is it allows you to compete. You just have to order the pieces of technology you use in the right way. So don't go technology for technology's sake. Understand your business. Understand the sequence and the needs of your business and then slot in appropriate solutions and make it seamless in a sense that don't have 50 solutions your employees have to work, connect them together, which is why we used Intuit. Uh, we, we like Intuit. We think it's a great product, QuickBooks, uh, and we wanted to put ourselves inside of QuickBooks. And the reason why is so the small business, a lot of them, there's about 4 million that use QuickBooks. Well, they can still use QuickBooks when they train their employees. So they don't have to change all the interfaces, that, 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 and it's, it's easier. So reduce complexity, use technology to scale, and uh, understand what you need uh, in your technology solutions. Okay, and, and your website again, and how people can reach you or that or, or it. Sure, it's Bradio b r a i d i o dot com Bradio dot com, and you can find a lot of information. It's very easy to sign up. It's very easy to get a, a trial, a freemium trial. It's very easy to use inside of QuickBooks. It uses a standalone, and you can brand it for your own company's lo- So you can put your company's logo on it, your company's colors, so it feels like a, 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 an internal private solution. And it's, uh, it's easy to use, and it will help you solve your onboarding, your training, and retaining uh, uh, issues around your company and around your employees, which you will need to do to, to grow your business. Ian Skolnick, thank you for joining us. It's been, uh, to me, an illuminating time, and I hope our audience has been has enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Don, thanks for guiding me through. I really appreciate it. Have a, have a good day. You too, sir.
Want to know more about health savings accounts for your company or yourself? Go to 2hsa.com and get a free employer's primer. Health savings accounts are a cost-effective way of offering health care benefits to your employees and yourself. HSAs build retirement funds for your employees, improve morale, and reduce your health care benefit costs. For a free employer guide to HSAs, go to 2hsa.com. That's 2hsa.com. We've heard a lot these days about lead generation and lead conversion and how how do you uh, get your leads not to abandon you at the cash register. Well, we have someone today who's going to talk to us about it. Chris Lucas is Vice President of Marketing for Formstat, and he's he's going to talk about what they've learned and how we, can, we, being small business people, can take advantage of what they've learned. But as usual, we asked Chris to tell us a little bit about himself personally as we welcomed him to the program. Yeah, thank you. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the VP of form, uh, VP of Marketing at Formstack. Um, so Formstack is a online form provider. We allow small businesses, medium-sized businesses, to uh, help collect data. So whether it's a lead or registration or survey data, we allow them to collect that information via online form, um, and we integrate with kind of third-party systems. And so uh, I've been at Formstack for nine uh, years. We've been around for ten years as a company. So. Um, have been fortunate to grow up with the company, um, really started doing uh, the first bit of online marketing for them when we were just kind of uh, rolling out as a product uh, and have now developed a team of over, uh, I think we've got uh, 14, 15 people on a marketing team now, um, and we do everything kind of customer acquisition from uh, paid traffic, SEO, organic traffic, all of those kind of uh, lead drivers, and then we turn them into uh, customers. So, I uh, have a lot of experience in, in um, developing marketing, online marketing programs, and uh, uh, developing teams around kind of these online marketing programs. Well, how did how did you get get to uh, Formstack? What what's some of your background? Yeah, so uh, I really it's funny. I had a, a PR background, so I was actually working in, in technology PR and was working with um, enterprise. B2B customers and trying to get the story about, you know, kind of interesting new technologies in the business-to-business space and uh, had a background in PR and um, happened to meet the founder of Formstack. Um, And we just kind of, our paths crossed and we started talking about kind of what he was looking for and my next challenge and uh, kind of one thing led to another. I ended up uh, taking on the job and at the time it was just kind of wearing a lot of different hats. I knew a bit of online marketing, knew uh, a lot about PR. I knew about uh, how do you gain interest from um, kind of an organic standpoint. And so that's kind of where we really started and taught myself a lot of the online marketing um, kind of process, PPC, advertising, banner advertising, SEO, kind of taught myself along the way. And I uh, was fortunate to very very quickly hire people who were way smarter than I was uh, to get the job done. You know, that seems to be a key. Uh, finding people who are smarter than you uh, to success. That's the best um, way to go. <laughs> now, Chris, t- tell us a little bit about what you you found uh, about this whole area that could help our re- uh, um, our listeners. I want to say readers because we also have a online newsletter. But uh, t- 
tell us some of the things that you, you your team has learned over the years that can can help us. Yeah, so um, you know, more specifically, we kind of we we've done uh, very recently a kind of a conversion report, um, and um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the the lead capture report kind of talks about um, identifying top problems that marketers face when generating leads and how do we improve kind of lead quality and quantity, right? And I think one of the biggest things that we're kind of finding out is. Uh, really, as online marketers and as we're trying to drive better qualified leads to um, our website and to, um, you know, whether it's a online commerce business or just kind of um, product businesses, I think one of the things that, we're, uh, that we uncovered in this lead capture report is that um, really having goals that are aligned with um, the, the important metrics of the company are often where the initial breakdown is because you you have to have an, a good understanding of what is it that you're trying to accomplish in an online marketing standpoint, and that's going to dr- determine kind of the big drivers of uh, of your KPIs. And so, if it's lead quality, how do you de- how do you define kind of uh, processes in your business that uh, get better leads, and maybe you have to have less leads? Or if it's lead quantity, if you're judged as a marketer on lead quantity, then how do you drive uh, more leads into the system, um, and maybe you can sacrifice a little bit of quality, but it's really having a good alignment uh, at the very start of what are the important metrics um, uh, for your for your online marketing efforts, and then how do you align campaigns around those things? Well, well give, give us some detail. You've you said said the process, but what are some of the things you look for, and uh, in these various uh, areas? Yeah, well, so I think one of the things is if you're talking about kind of lead uh, quantity, uh, then it's it's understanding how do we find the traffic, the the channels that are uh, good for driving um, traffic, right? And so a lot of folks um, in our lead capture um, survey that we did, um, you know, they found that uh, a high volume of leads were coming through just their on-page conversions on their website, 24% of their um their best generating leads were uh, from a high volume leads was just clicking somebody clicking on their page. Um, email marketing was the kind of second uh, biggest with 18% uh, driving the volume, and then pay per click advertising was 17%. So it's understanding kind of what what are ways that we can drive traffic if we're looking again if it's volume, then you know email marketing and pay per click from a um, paid standpoint probably because you can buy as much traffic as you want right when you're talking about PPC. Um, so it's finding and understanding those channels that work best for you um, when you're trying to drive a high volume of leads. And then when it's, it's driving a, a quality metric, um, it's understanding what are, the, what are the things on page that are going to make people either uh, kind of qualify them or disqualify themselves. And so um, it's really understanding what, what are the things that we can do via an online form or, or page copy that, uh, really speaks to that customer that we really want to target, and then uh, disassociate those people that we don't want to target. Right? <clears throat> I see that. Well, uh, going on, uh, knowing that, what are some of the tricks to to getting people to the site, to getting them to give you your, the leads? What have you learned? Oh, your team learned? Yeah. So I think um, you know, from from our perspective, it's it's all about uh, really understanding what is the What's the messaging that you want to lead with? So um, we do a lot of uh, customer interviews and looking at the way that people use our software um, and then trying to match that messaging up with 
uh, our landing page copy, right? And so if it's somebody who, let's say, use higher education, we have a lot of higher education uh, customers. Um, they really want to understand, do do we cut uh, down time on kind of building forms and uh, do we integrate with the systems that they integrate with? And so on our landing pages, we talk about those types of things. Um, if it's a small business for us that is really – you know, they most small businesses don't have a website um, or have a web team or a, a, a team of people that can uh, build their websites and build their online forms, and so they want to know how powerful is this, how easy, how easy uh, is it to use, and can I get in as a small business owner? Can I get in and build a form myself? And so that's the kind of copy that we talk to when we're talking to small businesses on that on that landing page, for instance. Um, and so we try to match that copy along with that landing page copy and speak very specifically to that easy to use or that powerful um, uh, kind of keyword or key messaging. So that's that's what we found is, is if you can identify kind of use cases for your product or what kind of buyer are you trying to um, mm. That's fascinating. Please continue. Give us some more of this type of information. That's what, that's what we're all interested in. Yeah, well, so so really, I mean, buyer, uh, understanding the buyer is just really understanding who is your who is your key customer, right? And so that I think a lot of time marketers forget to kind of focus in on that because they focus in on what's important to them um, when really you should be focused in what are the um, what are the ways that your buyer um, are is really going to use your product for? Um, you know, it's it's kind of what what's their job to be done, and can you can your product or service get that job done for them? And if you can speak to that, I think that uh, often helps people kind of connect those two um, those two dots of I've got a product to sell, and I've got people that I know want to buy it, but I can't get them to do it. If you can find that what their what their job to be done is, and if you can speak to that job, um, and then from a marketing perspective, I think you can create really compelling uh, messaging and copy and ads and things like that that speak to that. Mm. It's just just so fast. It's just so fascinating what you're talking about. Well, what is the downside? Uh, uh, you know, I often get across like I just got an email across now that just said, "Well, uh, that's all well and good, but what are the downsides for, to some of these things that we're doing?" Well, I think from. Um when we're talking about driving lots of leads, I think some of the downside is probably um, a bit of the spray and pray method. Um, you know, obvi obviously, when we're trying to build audience, um, when we're trying to attract eyeballs, we just kind of assume that we can throw a bunch of stuff out there, and uh, with a more um, under with a more knowledgeable buyer nowadays. Um, I think I read research uh, a while back that said. 60% um, of the buying process is done before somebody even hits your website. Um, so what you have is you have a more credible, more knowledgeable buyer. Um, and so they're, you know, the days of a salesperson calling you up and saying, hey, I've got this widget, I'd love for you to check it out. And the buyer saying, oh, that's awesome, tell me more about it, is, is really gone because what's happened now is that that power is transformed um, into the customer's hands. And so oftentimes when we're trying to drive quality or quantity of leads and eyeballs and things like that, we often do the spray and pray method, um, thinking that we can drive a lot of people to our website. But what we end up driving is, is the wrong kind of people to our website. Somebody who's interested in your product or your service um, has probably already done a ton of research and they understand the ins and outs of who you are, your competitor, and things like that. And so what you really have to do, and that's where I talk about uh, understanding the, 
the job to be done. If you can tie those things together, when you have a more informed buyer, you can create that sale in a, in a much easier way, in a much faster way. So the downside is, is really just uh, attracting the wrong people to your website and, and spending the um, spending your valuable time on the wrong customer when if you narrow in on that targeting and get better kind of lead quality, you can uh, really hone in on who it is that you should be selling to. Well, um, is it better to uh, cast a wider net or a more focused net in terms um, of lead generation? Yeah, I, I think um, I think it, it, it again goes back to kind of aligning goals, right? If you're if you're looking for kind of top of funnel leads, and um, if you're looking for you want to just drive a bunch of people and you want to drive awareness, I think something like a contest is really good because you can drive a lot of eyeballs. Um, but if you have a good kind of process behind that, so you run a contest and you run uh, a contest to your website and you give away an iPad or something or a, uh, an Apple Watch, right? You're going to get a ton of eyeballs. Um, but it's what do you do with those leads? How do you qualify those at the next step? And so you can either do that in an online way. You can do that with a form, and you can ask some very qualified questions once you've got somebody in. Um, or you can do it with a sales rep. It's kind of, you know, it kind of depends on what you have uh, at your disposal. Um, but I think that there's some, some great ways to drive real top-of-the-lead funnels um, and how you get more volume, right? Um, and then there's some programmatic ways in the back end to drive more quality. And so I think it's, a, it's, it, it's aligning those goals, like I mentioned them very early on. What are, your, what are your key metrics? Where do you want to uh, – how do you want those things to align? Um, top of the funnel – eyeballs, right? The more eyeballs we can get, the bottom of the funnel or the middle of the funnel, what is that buyer persona? How are we solving that problem? How do we get just those very qualified people at the door? Well, um, the, the, other, the other question I have is on uh, a follow-up. To me, you know, uh, I always mention if you go to an average trade show and you hand out your card a hundred times, you'd be surprised if, if seven people will actually follow up. Do you, do you try to kind of align the follow-up with the lead generation? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, I think when we're talking about kind of lead follow-up, um, you know, it, it definitely aligns with um, that lead generation effort. A lot of, we do a lot of content marketing. So in the, in the lead capture report that I mentioned that we kind of, uh, released earlier this year, uh, you know, content marketing is still um, still kind of underused, I think. In our report, it was only 6.3% of the folks were using um, content marketing to drive uh, uh, new leads. And so I think what you can do is align. So if somebody's coming in on a piece of content that you created, um, and they're reading that piece of content, I think you should generate some sort of follow-up activity, right? Hey, I saw that you downloaded our ebook, or have a sales rep call them, hey, you know, Mark, I saw that you uh, I saw that you read our ebook, and did you know this, this, and this? And you can kind of follow up based on the content of that um, of that ebook. Now, if it's somebody clicking on your website, um, then you can kind of or somebody leaves uh, uh, a contact me information or contact more information uh, off your website. I think you can follow up with that person very specifically in a different way than somebody following up on content, right? So, if somebody submits something like at a trade show on your website that says, I want more information, you should be following up almost instantaneously because they're asking you to reach out to them, right? 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think it depends on where they are in that process. If they're downloading some content and just kind of reading it, there's kind of a softer approach. If somebody says, I want more information, there should be a very direct approach and says, hey, what's that information? How do I follow up with you? How can I help solve your problem? Um, is this report available for us to read and for our audience to read? It is, um, and I can. It's uh, formstack.com, and then it's a lead capture 2016 report, and I can um, uh, share. We have a very specific link: formstack.com/report/lead-capture2016. Um, but I can definitely share that with you, and you can post that on your site um, or uh, kind of however you communicate with with your uh, listeners. Okay, oh, spell spell out your your what website again, since this is very much an audio program. Yes, it's www.formstack.com. It's f o r m s t a c k dot com. No, very very important. Uh, we often get emails back from when, when uh, this is not um, uh, brought out. But um, let me ask you another uh, question while we're on it. Um, uh, of all of the uh, of all of the ways that you've seen to generate leads, which way do you recommend uh, seems to work the most effectively? Yeah, um, you know, from from and again, I'll reference our our lead capture report. Um, the one that we saw the most was just kind of on site. Um, I think what we've seen as a business ourselves is uh, organic traffic. Obviously, um, organic traffic is the hardest. Um, to generate leads from, um, but uh, it's it's taken us 10 years as a company to build our brand and to build um, credible kind of public relations uh, articles and links and uh, content that we've created to drive uh, people back to our website. But I think that's often the best. Um, I think a lot of people want to use content marketing. They want to be uh, creators of content, and like I said in our in our report, only 6.3% found that as a uh, as a valuable way to drive leads. Um, <clears throat> but I think content marketing, a lot of people are doing it, but a lot of people are doing it wrong. They they look at it from a how do I put some stuff out there, and how do I um, uh, how do I put a bunch of content out there versus va- making some very actionable content, people that. Uh, making content that people actually want to use. Um, and I think that's the difference between people who do really good content marketing and drive really good leads off of content versus people who just say they do content marketing. Um, so I would say, you know, finding uh, finding organic traffic, uh, finding really good content marketing. Um, and then uh, I think a lot of people still underestimate the power of email marketing. Um, it was, uh, you know, from our respondents, respondents, 17% of the uh, of our customers were, or the people that we surveyed were, were using email marketing, and that was um, it's still a huge driver for them. Um, I think a lot of people look at kind of these newer mediums, social, whatever, um, but email marketing is still a very powerful tool if you do it in the right way. So uh, those are probably three three things that I would focus on. Um, as we close up our, our visit. Chris, what if you had one thing you had to, uh, to tell our audience about uh, lead lead generation and, and changing? What would it be? Yeah, I think um, again, I go back to kind of the simplicity of what are what are the goals that you have for lead generation? Is it is it a volume? Um, is it quantity? Uh, how do you 
or is it quantity, is it quality? Uh, how do you define those things as a marketer, as a business owner? Um, and then figuring out what are the ways that I can drive uh, different kind of quality of leads or quantity of leads. I think paid um, paid avenues are really good. You can buy traffic for cheap nowadays, but it's what's the quality of that traffic going to be? If you uh, if you really want quantity, you have to invest time in organic uh, marketing and content marketing and social media and email marketing, and those things just take time. So I think it's understanding what are the what are the main drivers of my business. Um, what are the ways that I want to drive new leads, um, and then understanding what are the ways that I can drive leads, and what do I have time for? Um, so I think those are kind of the the often over. Everybody wants new leads, right? Um, but you kind of have to understand what is the strategy behind each uh, each way of generating leads, and then figuring out what do you what do you have the capacity for. Well, that's really terrific, Chris Lucas. Thank you for being with us today. I know I learned a lot, and I hope our audience did as well. Thank you again. And come back right, again next year and, and tell us a little bit more after you had another year of experience. Though with 11 years already, it's still a lot. <laughs> Thank you, Donald. I appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me on. No, we appreciate you came. Thank you again, and have a good day. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, 